I'm Beth. I'm Holly. And we're the Mombies. I got a house with at least four dead bodies in it. Like, what is that? How much worse can you get, really? That's a great question. Weird. Just, just absolutely strange. How do you even do that? I feel like that's gotta mean something. Hello, spooky humans. Welcome back to the Mommies Podcast. I'm Beth. I'm Holly. Okay, I have a movie recommendation. <laughs> immediately how long do we make it on that two seconds two seconds uh i i had to because oh my god and i've already literally told you about this so now you guys are just listening to me uh you've probably already seen this because it's everywhere but if you haven't you need to go watch Saltburn now right now not right now listen to this first and then watch Saltburn. she said this like a trillion <laughs> times it's hilarious i'm obsessed it was so good obsessed is a great word for this movie um it is described as a black comedy and psychological thriller and if that isn't perfect who for who we all are as people then i just don't even i'm know gonna it watch is. it tonight the it's... kids are gonna go to bed they have school tomorrow we're gonna watch it i so forgot good. to even ask tony about it when we go up we'll have to ask him because i feel like if he watched it he yeah. would have said something i mean i feel like he would have yeah maybe not though maybe he'll be like i hate it it was terrible <laughs> it's so because i love it so he will probably be like i hate it and it's so stupid but it's so good i like there were parts that we were just sitting in bed, like, cracking up, laughing our asses off. And then, like, ten minutes later, we were like, this is so uncomfortable. What is happening? It is incredible. Um, I'm absolutely going to fucking say his name wrong. It's Barry Keoghan, which I think is how he said you say it. All of his groupies um, are like, you bitch! So all the Irish listeners, like all, I think there's probably one or two of you, please email me and let me know the right way to say mm-hmm. it and how bad I fucked it up. Uh, but he is brilliant in it. Oh. He's so good. Uh, everyone else is great too. Um, Jacob Ellardy, I think is his last name. He's in uh, The Kissing Booth. Oh, I love The Kissing Booth. It's the <laughs> the boyfriend. Yeah. The, the brother. The tall one. I can't even remember his name, but him. him. He's... He's great in it, too. Of course he is. And he's adorable. Um, Rosamund Pike is in it, which she was in Gone Girl. Yes. We talked about that the other Yes. Night. And she's fucking Oh, amazing. yes, because I looked up the characters. I just wanted to see, like, who the characters were in it, because I really hadn't heard anything. Mm-hmm. And there's the... the I, don't remember, I don't know his name. I, I don't know anything else he's been in, but the, he plays um, the cousin. And he's so good... I wanted to punch him in the face 95% of the movie because he's that good. So they all were, they're just fantastic. Um, but Barry was like, he was so good. So, uh, and he, I, we were talking about this the other day, literally has the most beautiful eyes I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, excuse me. I, Holly, they're like <laughs> fucking crisp. Like they're this shade of blue that I I'm like, I'm not, I was just like, they're fucking clear. It's happening. They're, they're like clear. I was like, they're like diamonds. They I really know, are. So what pretty. I, in his hair and his skin tone mm-hmm. with it, you're just like, jeez. I, he just, I got to see through you. I was just like, oh, I'm not even, an, I'm not even really an eye person. I like smiles, but I just was like, oh Oh my god, wow. look at your eyes. They're stop so looking pretty. at me. Uh, it's fantastic. I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm ready to watch it again. It's so good. Please watch it. 
And if you don't like it, then I guess you can just think I'm a weirdo because I loved it. Also, watch Elena's reaction from Morbid on TikTok to the movie before you watch it. it because was I was cute. watching it and watching her like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And her faces. And I was like, oh, she doesn't like it. Because I was I saw the trailer and was excited. And then the end, it says like five stars. I love it. And I was like, oh, OK, good. I'm watching it tonight. That's it. Um, anyway, watch it. That's not your only movie reference for today, but that is, that's the first one. So I told you that I wanted to talk about some domestic violence cases. I mentioned that, uh, two episodes ago or whenever, whenever, whenever the hell I did it. Um, so that's what we're doing today. This is your early trigger warning. So if you can't listen to this kind of case, we get it. Take care of yourself. We'll catch you next time. Um, before I start. I'd like to give you some statistics from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence because they're too important to leave till the end. Uh, In the U.S., more than 10 million adults experience domestic violence annually. If each of these adults experienced only one incidence of violence, an adult would experience violence once every three seconds. However, I hate that. Yeah, we all know that domestic violence is a pattern. So there's likely not even a millisecond that passes, statistically speaking, without someone being abused by their partner in the United States. One in four women and one in 10 men experience sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. An abuser's access to a firearm increases the risk of intimate partner femicide by 400%. Oh, chili bumps. Intimate partner violence is most common against women between the ages of 18 and 24. Those are babies. I know. Can you imagine? No. Go like coming into life and that's what's... Oh, No. Um, if you are experiencing domestic violence, please get help. In the United States, you can contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. You can also text START to 88788. Or there's a chat feature on their website, which uh, also has great resources. It's thehotline.org. So I want to make sure we said that at the beginning because we usually do it at the end and... I don't want anybody to miss it because they stopped the episode or something, you know. All right. Are you ready to talk about Francine Hughes? Uh, I Beth's been ready to tell me this. I don't even know anything about what's happening. I'm so, so ready. Oh, shit. I just kicked the table. Sorry, guys. And I moved my microphone earlier, so hopefully it wasn't like... <laughs> but now it was since I just made the now noise. Now she's so shouting. Welcome. <laughs> no. Uh, no, you're fine. Um, okay. Francine Moran was born August 17th, 1947 in Stockbridge, Michigan. Her father, Walter, was either a farm worker or a factory worker. It was kind of listed different, different places. And probably the more important part was he was an abusive alcoholic. Her mother, Hazel, was a waitress. The family struggled financially and Hazel stayed with her abusive husband for their kids. Uh, There's six kids. Uh, that's all I have about her like background, but I felt like it was important to know those things. Uh, on November 24th, 1963, when Francine was just 16 years old, she married 18-year-old James Berlin Hughes, who went by Mickey. She later said of Mickey, quote, I thought he was so sophisticated. He had his own car and most people I knew didn't. Which tells you everything you need to know about being 16. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Think about the times then. Oh right. My. Uh, she also stated, quote, it used to be a girl was taught to save herself for somebody. We had intercourse before we were married. I felt like I should marry him because of that. He wanted to marry me so bad. I never felt I had anyone who loved me that much. <sighs> Um, unfortunately, the affairs, the affairs and abuse started sometime during their first year of marriage. 
Uh, Francine described Mickey as insanely jealous, which is that cheater's guilt showing its ugly face. Uh, he once gave Francine two black eyes for going to the store to buy nail polish without his permission. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. He chased her with knives and isolated for her from her family, using obscenities to describe her sisters. They choose people for a reason. That's all I'm saying. Um, he taught their old. He taunted their oldest daughter, leaving her in tears. Which, again, um, they choose people purposely that they can get to be quiet and toe the line. Fucking assholes. Uh, he broke things put holes in the walls, put his fist through windows. Francine would sometimes run next door to Mickey's parents' house, but she said they eventually told her they, quote, didn't want to be bothered. It, you, this is yours. Right. You did this. Yeah, fix it. I mean, I know you didn't, so don't no. everyone come at me. Right. But, but you did it. this. You fix it. Get over here and get your thing and take it back. Right. And most certainly, it, although, you know, especially when you're adults, you make your own choices. If if my kids are running their fucking mouth, if my in my son-in-law or daughter-in-law is telling me shit, I'll come over and beat the shit out of you. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I, I, had to... I don't care that you're 43, <laughs> this bitch. Is, this is not my, uh, my husband. This is my children. My child yesterday was, my children act up more for my husband than they do for me. I'm the one that they're like, nope, don't get, piss mom off. And, um, my child was acting and my oldest was acting out and being disrespectful to the, her dad. And I was like, I started talking to her about it and it was very calm and, you know, Hey, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to chill. We're going to be kind and whatever. And I was like, look, um, if you're not going to be respectful of your dad, you are absolutely going to be respectful of my husband. Do you see that man there? And she just turned around and looked. I said, that is my husband. If my mother, who is my very best friend in the whole wide world, if she came down here right now and was disrespectful to my husband, I want you to know that I'd correct her too. You're not going to talk to him like that. And she was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck are you doing right now she said, um, uh... it was like stop it anyway i was just like what are you stop you're not no i'm not doing that with my spouse my children who i know it's funny when that gets start. said because you know what i'll be like doing the dishes and then something gets said i pop my head i'm like what'd you just say to your dad <laughs> you're like ah uh, nothing uh, nothing i didn't do that but like i say if that you know that's how i am about my husband mm-hmm. my children don't don't even fucking try it. Don't start. Those are my kids. Um, uh, he would literally tear off her clothes because he didn't like how she was wearing them. <sighs> uh, quote, he didn't want me to wear my blouses tucked into my slacks. He once ordered her to quit her job because, quote, I bought a new brassiere that had stretchy straps and he didn't like it. He felt that it made her jiggle too much. So just because we have boobs. Or just boobs. bodies in general, because yeah, right. I can't tuck my shirt in. Right. Cool. I'm not allowed to exist under my clothes. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, according to Francine, quote, I bought some new clothes and he ripped them off me. I don't know whether I looked too pretty or what, but he didn't want me to look that way. I was shocked because I had never been treated like that before. But what do you do when you're 16 years old and you had to beg your parents to let you get married? No. Of course he said, I'm sorry, forgive me, it will never happen again. And I believed him. But it did happen again. And by that time I was pregnant and felt like I had to make the best of it. Oh. 
And that's exactly what Francine did. And that age. And at that point, you've already been manipulated. And remember, at that age, you can be manipulated much quicker. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, And the couple had three children in their first five years of marriage. And Francine, she devoted herself to being a mom. Now, Mickey... I left. I literally stopped in the middle of a sentence. I highlighted it so I'd come back and then never came back. Uh, Mickey, on the other hand, bounced around between jobs. He worked in construction or as a day laborer. He didn't make much money. What he did make, he often blew on booze, which, of course, contributed to the abuse. Um, So by the time she's pregnant with her fourth child, they have no money, no money for food, no money for rent. And Francine is desperate. So she filed for divorce and applied for welfare. In April of 1971, the divorce was approved, but that didn't stop Mickey. Francine tried to keep him out of the house to no avail, and for going against him, she was beaten. Nothing had changed. Quote, fear dominated my life most every day. I never knew what to expect. I never knew what to expect when I came home from school. I was afraid to go to the grocery store for five minutes because I was afraid to walk in the back door. I was afraid he would hurt me. I couldn't move without him saying it was all right. It may be hard to believe, but it's true she tried to call police but all her efforts at getting help failed she was told every time that quote if they didn't see him doing anything they couldn't do anything right and what is this now Nin- would you say 1971 uh yeah we're in the 70s right. <laughs> which oh. is what that's what the law was yeah. they couldn't if they didn't see him so she could be bloody and broken and bruised and if they didn't watch him assault her they couldn't arrest him that's what the law was then um hi cool wow great thanks it's 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 so frustrating and it didn't make me feel any better about the whole reason i wanted to do this case yeah which was to take energy from that and turn it into you know something else but you think that was only 50 years ago right well and there are people that want to go back to that there are people that want to go back to husbands being totally allowed to fucking beat their wives because they're out of line good luck with that yeah, but women are different now. So can oh, you imagine how many dead husbands there would be? Oh, a lot. A lot of dead husbands. Or women would be like, okay, we're gonna we're beating husbands now. Right. Oh, we can hit our partners now? All right. Women will win. Right. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. This is going to go down a dangerous road here <laughs> shortly. Let's just move on from this conversation. We're not encouraging you to kill your husbands. We are encouraging you to leave if you need to, but we're not encouraging you to kill them. Um, she even went to the judge that granted her divorce seeking legal assistance and was told by his secretary that if she wanted help from the court she would have to leave her house and all of her possessions Uh, so they're not going to fucking help you Uh, she even tried to have him committed to a mental institution once when court officials learned that he was an alcoholic they refused saying they didn't deal with alcoholics um what what that's bananas alcohol heightens that would heighten that yeah right Right. i mean i would think so um now that same year i think we're still in 71 mickey was in a horrible car accident after he and francine had an argument i couldn't find details about the accident but it nearly killed him it left him in a coma with multiple fractures and a head injury which is just what we want a cycle like this to fucking have a head injury right uh when mickey awoke from the coma the first person he asked for was francine guilt's a bitch and francine was feeling it thanks in part to a traumatic childhood event um so i'll tell you about that when she was nine francine was 
trusted in big fat quotes with the care of her three-year-old brother. Oh, I mean, my mom definitely did that, but I, it's so crazy. Like I can't even, I have a nine-year-old and my littles are four and five. No, absolutely fucking not. I don't put my nine-year-old in charge of, I barely put her in charge of putting her plate in the sink. And I don't mean that to sound like I don't make her do stuff, but like, I can't trust her to get up and do that, but I'm going to let you yeah. watch a whole ass human that's three years old. No, no fucking I way. know. We went to to run right up the road the other day. We weren't going to be gone very long. Anthony's like, I'm not going. And I was like, well, you can't be here by yourself. So you're going. You're right. not going to do anything. You're just right. <laughs> grabbing the car. And, he, and he's going to be 10. And I'm like, when we were that age... <laughs> definitely home by herself it was absolutely like, absolutely not fucking, not just home by myself i was riding my bike to god knows where where my mother couldn't find me or talk to me or see me for and hours yeah, and hours <laughs> until and hours. i managed to make it home i mean so so back then you just had to be like oh technically my child just missing for the next <laughs> seven to ten hours right. and then hopefully when the street lights come on right we'll open the door meanwhile i'm like horrified i'm like she put a nine-year-old in charge of a three-year-old the fuck and i'm not judging this mom by any means because i know things are different but i'm like what the fuck are you thinking no no, no. no. <laughs> it's like putting the three-year-old in charge of themselves why would you do that anyway uh so i had to remind myself this would have been around 1956 totally <laughs> so appropriate totally different yep not looked at the same way um so so one of these so one day while she's in charge oh excuse me trusted with the care of the three-year-old she's outside helping her mom hang the laundry in the backyard and her little brother got out of the house which by the way you know that she's not watching him, right? Because she's with you out in the back and the baby, that's not a baby, but the baby is in the house. So he got out of the house and was hit by a car. Um, oh. No. Oh I think, he, I think, I think oh. he lived. I think he lived. I think he lived. I didn't, I didn't find for sure, like, that he lived, but I think he lived. I had to tell you that part. Are you all right over there? No. Wow, that no. no. But okay, I'm not even gonna say what I'm thinking. It's fine. I can't handle that. No, mm mm. Can't handle that. Uh, you're definitely not gonna be able to handle this next part. Twelve locks. I don't have toddlers, so let's calm right. down, brain. Right. Uh, so she can remember her mom running up the street, screaming, "Oh my baby!" That was probably really loud. Sorry, guys. Uh, she remembered her mom saying that both of her brother's arms were broken, oh. and she remembered her talking about how far he'd been drugged by the car. No, um, no poor baby. Again, I think I think he lived. I don't think he died. They didn't talk about him dying. So, uh, her mother told Francine that she was supposed to be watching her brother, and it was her fault that the accident had happened. Ooh, so that's like, what I was gonna say earlier, but I was like, "But you're doing the laundry with her, so that's kind of your fault." Right? Exactly. It's, it's not, nobody's fault. It was an accident. It's not anybody's fault. It's totally an accident. But also, if it's anybody's fault, it's, it's definitely fault. not the fucking nine-year-old's fault. That's like... Well, Even if it was the nine-year-old's fault, don't tell the nine-year-old it's the nine-year-old's but it's fault. Not, but it's not the nine-year-old's it's fault. Not, the nine-year-old's right. not responsible enough to fucking right. do that. There's no way. It's there, In no way is it the nine-year-old's fault. But when, when I was, like, in high school, I was at uh, a mall looking for a prom dress, I think, or something. And I was with my friend Lindsay. And I think it was definitely my friend Lindsay because... I'll tell you that story later. So we we watched this. I think it was a a guy. I'm pretty sure it may have been a woman, an adult, 
I mean, just ripping apart this child that couldn't have been more than, I don't even think was five years old. Because they had handed them a bag with like jewelry or a watch in it and let them carry it. And the kid had set it down somewhere and didn't know where it was gone. And just reaming this child in the middle of the mall. No. The fuck is wrong with you? Why would you give an important bag with something expensive in it to a fucking toddler, you stupid fuck? That's not that baby's fault. It's your fault for being a moron. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. You take that watch or whatever out and you put it in your pocket and put something stupid that doesn't matter in the bag and then let the child carry it. Mm -hmm. This is why these fucking people are like, you millennials are terrible parents and your kids are running. Fuck you. My (laughs) kid's allowed to have feelings. You scream at toddlers because they fucking drop bags that you never should have given them. (laughs) Yeah. No. Not her fault at all. Uh, not Francine's fault either. So thanks to that immense guilt over I should have cared for my brother better, uh, she visited Mickey not just once in the hospital, but every other day over his entire 40-day stay in the hospital. When he was discharged, she brought him home to care for him. Of course. Of course she did. Uh, Francine felt trapped and obligated to this violent, awful man. After all, he was the father of her kids. Uh, she later said, quote, I just felt like I couldn't hurt him anymore. If you could have seen him, seen the condition he was in, you couldn't do any more to him. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't owe people that, by the way. If they treat you like shit, you don't have to stay because you owe them anything. Just so you know, if you're out there, I need to hear that. Um, as Mickey healed, he refused to look for work. His drinking was getting steadily worse. When he was well enough, he began beating Francine again. This time every few days. The beatings lasted anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours. He would stop, leave for the bar, come back and start in again. When there was a break in the beatings, Francine would worry about waking up to a punch. She learned not to fight back because it only made Mickey angrier. She contemplated suicide but wondered what would happen to her children if she was gone. Oh, that's a whole nother... Oof. Mm-hmm. To be in a place like that, though, where you feel like your kids are better off without you or, or life is so bad that you need to go and then realizing, but then if I go, where does that energy go? Mm-hmm. It goes straight to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that she recognized that, at least at that time. Um she would fantasize about leaving with the kids, but the daydreams always ended with the frightening thoughts of what Mickey would do if he found them. And what kind of money she would have. I mean, you wouldn't have anything to go with, so right. how are you going to hide? Right. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just you. Right. Exactly. Even though that's hard enough. You know, it's not just you that has to leave if I have to sleep here or go to a shelter or whatever. I have, I have children that you're bringing. I, yeah. And four, four children. Right. So that's a lot. It's not like you're just leaving even with one, much less, I mean, four kids. In October of 1976, an officer was parked in a grocery store parking lot when he saw the Hughes's pull in driving separate cars. Francine uh, came up to the officer asking for help, telling him that Mickey had tried to strangle her before telling her to leave the house in her pajamas. She then fled in one of their vehicles. Her fucking psychotic ex-husband had followed her, trying to run her off the fucking road. Oh my gosh! Which I don't know where the kids if they if the kids are at yeah, home or if I've they're in the car. Probably. Or, at, I hope they're at. I hope home. they're all at home alone. Right. 
Uh, the officer asked Mickey what the problem was, and Mickey responded, quote, you don't ask me anything. Nobody asks me anything. He then looked at Francine and said, quote, just wait until I get my hands around your throat. Oh, can you, being near an officer and someone saying that, and then obviously nothing fucking happening. And the officer can't it. do anything, right? Yeah. Uh, You're a, in a position where all the officer can do. What a time to live in. Holy fudge. Right, right. The things that our mothers or depending on who you are, your grandma, whatever. I would hope now that a police officer would like throat punch a guy, Mm -hmm. whoever said that. Right. Absolutely. Oops. Oh, sorry. Accidentally hit your face on the concrete. (laughs) That sucks, sir. Um, At some point, Francie went back to school. I didn't have an exact timeline. She finished her high school education. Yeah. She finished her high school education. Mm -hmm, I know. How do you, how did Mm -hmm. you convince him to do that? But she, she did. She convinced him to allow her to start business school to learn secretarial work. Quote, I wanted to feel better about myself. I wanted to feel like somebody. I didn't feel good about myself. I was ashamed of myself. She had to keep quiet about how much she enjoyed going to school because she knew that if Mickey found out she loved it, he'd take it away from her. That's what these guys do. All right. Here's your big trigger warning. We're going to get into some, some big time abuse. So, um, Here we go. On March 22nd, 1977, Francine came home from school too exhausted to make a full meal. She ran to the grocery store and grabbed some TV dinners for the family. When Mickey saw these, he flew into a rage. He ordered the children outside before he began beating on Francine. Just pissed off because she's feeding them. She's too tired Mm -hmm. to feed them a real dinner. Not a real dinner, like a big made homemade dinner is what I'm trying to say. Um, He pulled Francine's hair and punched her in her head and face. Francine ran outside screaming for the children to call the police because Mickey was beating her. Uh, Her oldest, Christy, who was 12 at the time, did as her mother asked. Before they arrived, Mickey forbade her from attending her secretarial classes again. He tore up her textbooks before making her burn them and threatened to destroy her car with a sledgehammer so she couldn't drive to school. Two officers responded to the Hughes home and in front of them, Mickey threatened Francine because she had called the police. Deputy Stephen Schlachter later testified, quote, he told her it was all over for her because she called me. He made numerous threats that he would kill her and he made threats to me. He's, he went, he got arrested, right? Right. No, Mm -hmm. Mm ma'am. I wish, I wish, I, I wish. Uh, Deputy Dean Malm testified that, quote, he stated that once we left, he was going to get even with her. What the fuck are you smoking? But they can't, I mean, they can't do anything. You can't can do something. He, he literally just told you he was going to fucking off this bitch this is also, when you drive away. This is also the 70s when they supposedly beat the fuck out of Ronnie DeFeo, so... I'm just saying. Gotta uh, beat the uh, fuck out of this guy. <laughs> but then again, if they did, what's he gonna do? As soon as they leave, he's gonna fucking... Oh, he's that gonna keep going. woman. Just knowing people are just like, oh, sorry. Yep, Go sorry. fuck yourself. Sounds like a, a like domestic a problem. problem. Yeah, it's not, it's not something we, we want to get involved in. Oh. Uh, after they left, all was... Oh, excuse me. Deputy Dean Moms testified that, quote, he stated that once we left, he was... Oh, I did already said that. Uh, after they left, all was quiet until Mickey walked through the kitchen and saw Francine and the children eating the TV dinners. He made the children go to their rooms and started on Francine again. Mickey swept the dinners onto the floor. He made her clean them up then dumped them back on the floor and told her to clean them up again. Oh. Oh. The rage. 
that just like just hearing someone saying that to another person Mm -hmm. just i yeah while she was on the floor crying and cleaning the mess he smeared the wasted food onto her back and into her hair he told her quote if you think things were bad before they'll be worse now then he started hitting her again she was crouched in the corner and she could hear her children upstairs calling out quote mommy are you all right 11-year-old Jimmy would later testify that he saw Mickey punching Francine and cursing at her. 12-year-old Christy would later testify that she saw Mickey swinging at Francine, who was crouched down in the corner. She also heard her mother screaming. One of the kids was not home. Three of the kids were at home, and I don't know that those two are 11 and 12 are the older ones, and there's like a 6-year-old and an 8-year-old, maybe something like that. Um, I think the 8-year-old or, you know, the middle, the, not the youngest one was gone. Now, when he was finished beating on Francine, Mickey went to their bedroom to watch TV. Shortly thereafter, he called out to Francine, ordering her to make him something to eat. She made him a sandwich, which he ate before calling her in again. This time he wanted sex. He often wanted sex after he'd beaten her, because it's about control. If she said no, the beatings began all over again. I hope I don't need to explain this, but whether she said yes or no, that's rape. When a person isn't allowed to say no, whether it's from fear or manipulation or whatever, that is not consent. I'm mostly saying that for our younger listeners, because um, I, even though you probably shouldn't be listening to this, you still are. And you're not going to listen to me if I tell you not to listen to it. So um, I want you to hear loud and clear, your body is yours, and no one has a right to it. Just making sure that you heard that. Um, Mickey raped Francine before falling asleep. While he slept... Francine thought over their life together. She thought about the beatings, the times he hurt the kids, everything this man had done to hurt them all. She laid there for a long time. Then Francine got up and she called the children downstairs. And like I said, one of the children was at a friend's house. Um, but the other three came down and she told them to put their shoes and their coats on because they were leaving. Francine Hughes was done. Oh, I have so many chills. I'm so nervous. I'm and, so nervous. I'm so nervous. And that's, as we all know, that's the most dangerous time for a woman is when they've decided to leave. That's when it's, it's when they leave is when it's the most dangerous for a woman. So, um, now it was that right then that she made the decision that would change their lives forever. Mm-hmm. Francine decided there wouldn't be anything to come back to. She asked 11 year old Jimmy the combination to the garage. Francine went to the garage, and when she came back, she hustled the children into the family car. As they went out, the children noted the gas can sitting on the back porch. Once they were safely inside the car, Francine went back into the house. On her way upstairs, she grabbed the gas can from the back porch. She poured gasoline around the bed where her drunken, piece-of-shit ex-husband lay passed out. And then Francine Hughes lit that motherfucker up. Oh! She later testified, quote, I didn't really feel anything. It was like watching myself do the things I was doing. It was like watching my movements, but that was all. She said she'd heard a quiet voice in her head saying, quote, uh, it was an urgent voice or a whisper saying, do it, do it, do it. And I kept pouring. (laughs) I am freaking out. I was already thinking this when she was in the kitchen. Like, okay, I understand. Like, you don't like for 
to not take her own life mm-hmm. because then that leaves him. Mm-hmm. But the thought all that was running through my head, especially you saying he was like smearing the food on her back and her head, like just thinking like, how bad would it be though if I'm in prison, but you're dead. Right. So then you're not around our kids, but I'm also not around our kids. So now I have to weigh that. Right. Do you have somebody that can help take care of these kids? There's like, no good answer. Oh. But, uh, so she was in the house for two to three minutes. And when she came back, she was crying loudly. Jimmy said his mother cried, quote, oh my God, I did it. And quote, if he ever gets out of that fire, he'll kill me. She then got into the car with her children and drove herself to the police station where she turned herself in for killing her ex-husband. <laughs> Oh my God! Um, it was it was ruled that Mickey died due to smoke inhalation. Yeah! So, you know. What a hero! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cry my eyes out. Can you imagine how she felt? Right, right. Oh yeah, it's, this is an intense one, but I feel like it's a good one. Um, and to the the guilt and what you would feel because you were literally killing a, a person. Absolutely. Okay, so regardless of deserving, not deserving, wouldn't matter if you're right. a human, you're still going to feel that. Right. So feeling like, Oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. But also feeling like, Holy fuck, you better die. Right. Like, you right. know, oh, at yeah. the same time. Absolutely. <gasps> and I mean that, you know, on our end, hearing the story, the excitement is not because someone died. Obviously it's terrible that someone died. It's terrible that anyone has to make that choice. But we all know where this story goes. Yeah. Nine, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, where this story goes. And he didn't do it one time or two times or ten times or a hundred times. You know. No. Yeah. No, no, we're going to talk testimony, too. So yeah. we're going to hear some more stories. We're not done. Now, as the news of Mickey's death and Francine's role in it hit the media, a group of 65 feminists came together and raised $1,000 to aid in Francine's defense, which is about $5,000 in today's <laughs> money. <laughs> Uh, the money was used to pay for the defense's psychiatrist and to buy clothes for Francine to wear to court. Group members attended the hearings, formed carpools to get supporters to the courthouse, and organized child care. They bought dinner for the Hughes children during jury deliberation and arranged for the kids to be isolated in a room off of the courtroom. Because that's what happens when women get scared. I literally am going to cry just listening to you like, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah I could do yeah, that. Yeah, I could get behind that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, the group hoped this would be a landmark case. <sighs> a not guilty verdict would boost women's rights and strike a serious blow to the very real issue of a domestic a domestic abuse. In the 1970s, domestic abuse was virtually ignored in the legal and medical fields and among social circles. Uh, Violence against women was blamed on the victims for bringing on the abuse with their own actions, because fuck the patriarchy. Uh, Beating one's wife was seen as a family matter and something that outsiders shouldn't speak on. It was also often a joke, as shown in a 1970s bowling alley ad that said simply, quote, have some fun, beat your wife tonight. There's literally a picture of the ad online, and I was like, I'm going to punch my fucking computer. I'm so fucking mad. What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, Again, only 50 years ago. Right. 50 years ago. Disgusting. Not even 50 years ago. I mean, if this is 1977, not even 50 years ago. Yet. Close. But uh, not guilty verdict for Francine could be the start of real change. The trial was pretty short, and I'm just going to give you the highlights of the testimony. Uh, Most, if not all, of the quotes I've read from Francine were part of her testimony. Um, Very glad that you didn't pick up on that part. That was good. Uh, Her two oldest children testified that their father had beaten their mother, quote, too many times to count. That he'd threatened her life several times, and that he'd once pulled a knife on her while the children watched through a window. 
Their oldest, 12-year-old Christy, said she remembered her father beating her mother when she was as young as seven years old. So she, I mean, they'd been watching this their whole lives, which we know. Um, she testified that on one occasion, Francine and the children had fled to Mickey's mother's house and hid. The girl heard her father upstairs asking her grandmother where they were and her gr- grandmother responding, I don't know. So oh, at least thank goodness. there was a time. I was about to punch this microphone. But I mean, think about how scary that would be as a kid. <gasps> just hiding and uh. think about how you would look at your mother after that mm-hmm. you fucking queen right uh she described another event where her father was pissed that her mother was talking on the phone so he ripped it out of the wall that's back when we had house phones for you guys that don't know they plugged into the wall and then you couldn't walk away from the wall unless you were the lucky one who had a super long cord right but then your parents would get pissed off because you'd like play with the cord and then the cord would like wrap up and like twirl and then your parents would be like i'm fine with the fucking phone cord yeah it was it was a thing you just had to be wherever the phone was you didn't have one in your bedroom you had to stand in the fucking kitchen and try to talk in code so your parents couldn't hear i wasn't even with that for that long we had cordless phones pretty early yeah. but let me tell you, there was a while there where you were just like, Mom, shut up on the cordless phone in the kitchen. Good times. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, oh, yet another time Mickey got so angry the toilet was leaking that he took a sledgehammer to it. So that one kind of almost made me giggle a little bit. It didn't because he's a piece of shit. But my dad was, he, my dad was not abusive, at least not when he was married to my mom. I don't know if he was in other relationships, but he had a temper and he was the biggest fucking toddler. So he would do dumb shit like that. He never hit my mom. He never threatened my mom to my knowledge. Not, not when I was born, but oh my God, he would, there's a story about him trying to, um, he was trying to work on the car. So he's trying to like put the car up on the jack and the fucking jack kept slipping and he got mad and threw it through the fucking garage window because he was an idiot. So, um, and like I say, for me, it's just funny because like, it, it wasn't like this. Right. It's just funny, ridiculous, stupid, what a moron kind of stuff. But so I was just, I kind of laughed and was like, but fuck this guy. But also that's kind of a funny, mm-hmm. what a dumbass. But then of course, like Francine had to pay for all of these things because he's a piece of shit and he wasn't making any money and he was spending it on booze when he was. So, um, now, there are plenty of people willing to testify about the abuse they witnessed. A friend from high school said, quote, she wasn't allowed to have close friends. Her husband didn't allow her to have friends. When Francine's attorney asked why this was, the woman responded, quote, he said she didn't need friends. <laughs> A neighbor testified that after Mickey would beat Francine, he would brag about it. Quote, I would ask him where she was, and he would say she's home mending herself from the night before. <laughs> I mean, he had to not have many friends right if you're that kind of a person who the fuck wants to be friends with somebody like that sometimes though especially if you're going to the bar where people are just at yeah scary enough that you just kind of go along a little bit yeah plus probably some of the other fucks in there beat their wives right and he's probably in all likelihood not talking to his friends like that he's talking to the neighbors or you know people like that that he wants to look big and bad for um A doctor testified that Francine had anxiety, possibly brought on by the abuse she suffered at the hands of her husband. Quote, she was anxious, she was uncomfortable with her home situation, and she wanted to get help. She said she had suffered physical abuse and been threatened with being killed. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Absolutely. A lot. Absolutely. Uh, And finally, five different police officers testified that they'd heard Mickey threaten Francine when when they'd been called to the house at different times. Five different police officers. Now, there's also the other side of the coin. Mickey's mother, Flossie, testified that he never struck Francine in her presence. <gasps> yeah, we're getting there. You, 
<sighs> I'm not done yet. Okay. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, she lived next door. Francine's defense attorney alleged that Mickey's mother had once filed a complaint that her son had not only hit Francine, but her as well. She vehemently and angrily denied this suggestion, saying, quote, my son never beat up on me. How dare you? More specifically, Flossie denied seeing a particular event where Mickey beat Francine up in Flossie's yard. Which is fucking next door, in case you forgot. That particular beating ended with a neighbor physically restraining Mickey. Mickey, or Christy, a 12-year-old uh, at this time, later contradicted this testimony, recalling the beating and that her grandmother witnessed it. One neighbor, not the same person who restrained him, so another neighbor, testified that Flossie had witnessed this fight, and two neighbors testified that they'd seen Mickey strike his mother on two separate occasions. Uh, you, uh, on one of these occasions, the neighbor had seen Mickey storm out of his mother's house with his mother behind him, yelling at him. He spun and slapped her in the face. In the other incident, a neighbor who could see through the window Mickey beating Francine in their home while his parents stood by. At some point, he turned his anger on his parents. So, I mean, you know that your son's a piece of shit. And you're just trying to stand up for him because you're mad that, thank God, we don't have him on our fucking planet anymore. I get it because it's your kid. And I know that that would be really hard, and you still love your kid, even if they're a fucking piece of shit monster. I will still love you, but right, but if fuck. you are beating and going to kill your wife, yeah, and you're destroying the children, you're you, okay, right? No, absolutely not. No, I'll see you on the other side. Right, I'll visit you in prison. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Not going to be that kind of mother-in-law. Um, a deputy sheriff also testified that Flossie had called police in 1972 saying that Mickey was behaving erratically and had struck her in the face several times. So it seems very clear who was telling the truth and who was lying to protect her son. It, and you heard it. You could hear oh, it. Oh, you knew. You, you fucking, knew. You watched it. I mean, you were you a part of it, but at the very I mean, least, you live next door. Shut the shut up. Right. And eventually you were so afraid of him that you were saying, I don't want to be bothered with this. Oh, and you would be able to defend your son, the fuck, who is the, the liar and the piece of shit here. You'd be able to defend him even though you're lying against your grandchildren? Right. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Fucking gross. So the prosecution tried to show that Francine's motive was like this steamy love affair with another man. Uh, there were letters that Francine had written to him that never seemed to have materialized in court. Someone did testify that they existed. Like, I don't think that was made up. Um, but maybe they did, and there just wasn't much to them, and that's why they're not in the papers. But I, I would think if they had, the newspapers would have had a field day putting every lurid fucking detail out there. And Okay, um, she can't go to the grocery to- store for four minutes, but she's managed to have an affair. Right, right. She did say she'd gone on one bowling date with the guy. Uh, but over the course of the date, she learned he was married with a kid or kids, because men. And she stopped seeing, excuse me, straight men. Uh, and she stopped seeing him at once. So I'm only mentioning it because it was their focus on a lot of the, in a lot of the papers, but it doesn't really seem like it held up at all as a motive. Yeah. Um, and also, she was fucking divorced. She can date whoever the fuck she wants to. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, that seems like right, he was confused. Why are you even talking about it at that point? Anything right. she's done is irrelevant. Right. Irrelevant. Doesn't fucking matter. But it, I don't think it holds up as a motive. So, and like I say, if there was some steamy letters, like they'd be in the fucking paper. They'd be telling you everything, every detail. She was talking about how she was going to do what to his what. It would, be, it would all be right there. Yep. So, I mean, 
I, I don't I don't think it ever really materialized. Um, a week into the trial, the defense began presenting their case that Francine was temporarily insane when she set the bed her husband slept in on fire. Psychologist Dr. Arnold Berkman testified for the defense, quote, she was at the mercy of her impulses. It was as if something inside of her snapped. She was absolutely unable to control her behavior at that time. He said that Francine, quote, is not a criminal. She is not a violent person. He also said, quote, it is highly unlikely Mrs. Hughes could ever behave in the way she acted when she caused her husband's death. I do not feel she would do this thing again. Uh, and, quote, she was mentally ill at the time in the sense in the sense that she was experiencing an inability to conform her behavior to the requirements of the law. Her controls gave way and she was at the mercy of her impulses. Something snapped inside her. She was at her breaking point. Defense psychiatrist Dr. Ann Seiden took it a step further. She testified that Francine, like many other women who have suffered abuse at the hands of their partners, had a large capacity to take, quote, punishment. Uh, she said, quote, it has traditionally been part of what's been considered normal gender behavior for women to be submissive. It is part of that behavior that they should take whatever comes, that they should not take vigorous action to defend themselves. And women often take abuse, both mental and physical abuse, up to the point where they crack. She referred to Francine as a, quote, borderline syndrome case, meaning that with enough stress, Francine could definitely hit a point of temporary insanity. Dr. Seiden further stated her personal belief that Francine was not a danger to society. The prosecution psychiatrist, Dr. Lynn Blunt, testified that he didn't believe Francine fit the criteria for temporary insanity. Quote, Mrs. Hughes does not suffer from mental illness as defined by Michigan statute. She felt extremely frustrated and pressured by the circumstances she was living under. I certainly would not call that temporary insanity. Oh, okay, let me beat the shit out of you every day in front of your kids, and then we'll fucking talk. Right, let's let's smear let's food in your like fucking hair. Let's not pretend like you know hair. what the fuck you're talking about. Smear food in your hair and on your back and dehumanize and demoralize mm-hmm. you. Let me rape you. Rape you and punch mm-hmm. you in your fucking face and pull you by your hair. You're, fuck you. You're, nobody's not mentally ill. Right. But all, right, right. And also... I mean, you obviously you're going to say that because you're f- for the fucking prosecution. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to say exactly the opposite because that's what you people all fucking do. Um, but that wasn't all Dr. Blunt contributed to the conversation. He also dropped a bombshell. He believed that Francine was acting in self-defense when she set her bedroom on fire. The prosecution's guy. Oh. Quote. She was defending herself in a sense because he had told her he would follow her wherever she went. She believed that was a real possibility. It wasn't just an idle threat. I do not think her actions took premeditation or planning. Oh. Which is pretty big. Now, after Blunt testified that he didn't think there was premeditation or planning, Francine's attorney asked the judge to drop the first degree murder charge, but the judge decided to let it stand. In his closing statement, Francine's lawyer said, I couldn't possibly convey the suffering, the horror that Francine Hughes went through in her life. There is no law that says you cannot use your own compassion. Every homicide is not a murder. Every killing, every homicide is not a crime. There are excuses. Here we go. The jury, consisting of 10 women and two men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm surprised they weren't like, time out. Um, we're going to need to we're gonna need, we're gonna more need to have more men. No, we aren't. We don't need any men. We need 10 women. Well, these two men. They, they can be there. Okay. Uh, had 10 options for their verdict because of the number of charges. There was guilty or guilty but mentally ill. 
or the two guilty choices for first degree murder, second degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, or involuntary manslaughter. Then there was not guilty and not guilty on the grounds of temporary insanity. So I think we're pretty familiar with temporary insanity. With that, if she's found not guilty of temporary insanity, then she gets evaluated uh, to see whether or not she's still insane. And if she's not, she's free to go. If she is, obviously, she gets committed until such time she's sane, and then she's free to go. Uh, we know what not guilty means. And then that guilty but mentally ill I wasn't really familiar with. It said it wouldn't really affect her sentence or keep her out of prison. And it wouldn't guarantee mental health treatment while in prison. So I don't even know what the fuck the point was of that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it just kept her from like being um, uh, getting the death penalty, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, so the jury deliberated for five hours and 23 minutes. <laughs> when they came back, they found Francine Hughes... Not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The judge said this acquittal was a sign to the world that abused women were crying out for help. Oh. The prosecutor said justice had been done and he would not appeal the verdict. Francine was ordered to appear at a state psychiatric facility by November 15th to determine if she was mentally ill and needed to be admitted. In the afternoon of November 4th, 1977, Francine Hughes was released from prison. Uh, (laughs) On November 17th, it was reported that Francine had finished her court-mandated examination and was found to be sane at that time. Uh, After the acquittal, everybody had a fucking opinion. Multiple women told reporters they were glad Francine was found not guilty, but they were concerned it would cause more women to kill their husbands with an assumption that they too would be acquitted. Uh, A few women even told reporters that there should have been more of a penalty and that the penalty would have been harsher if there had been more men on the jury. Yeah, no shit. Those aren't her peers. A jury of your peers would be other women. Right. Other women who have been beaten by their husbands, no less. I was going to say, and if we're talking as these other women have have what's happening to her happen to them, and then that happens, then okay. All right. Um, uh, Meanwhile, at least one man told reporters that he agreed completely with the jury, and he would have done the same. The owner, yeah. the owner of a local restaurant said he wasn't surprised by the verdict, and he didn't think anyone held ill will towards Francine, aside from Mickey's family. He described seeing Francine at his restaurant before the fire, saying, quote, I saw her in here three times in the last four years with her face beaten. Her eyes were all goofed up and around her lips. She'd bring the kids in here for ice cream cones. Their dad didn't allow him to eat any sugar, even chewing gum. So whichever they bought, they ate it right here. Which just goes to show you, mm. he's he's it's control. That's control. We've heard stories like that before. I believe it was from Emery Fudo. Mm-hmm. My gosh. You can't eat cold pizza. The fuck are you talking about? Why? Why? What do you care? What difference does it make? Cold pizza's delicious. And they can't have fucking sugar or chewing gum. Okay, you're an asshole. <clears throat> and the trial of Francine Hughes brought on change. Uh, an increased push for a shelter for women and children and a change to support A change to the support offered to them by way of counseling, help obtaining divorces, job training. Republican Representative Connie Binsfield wrote multiple bills aimed at the issue, changing the law that kept officers from arresting an abuser without witnessing the abuse to allow an arrest on probable cause. Yeah. 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 How was that not the rule before? Great. Um, The bills also made counseling for abusers mandatory across the state of Michigan. I don't know if that's still the case, but it should be. Uh, those who loved Mickey 
obviously felt that Francine should have been sent to prison. Uh, while she was in jail during her trial, Francine received a card from Mickey's brothers that said, quote, you're next. You fucker. Right. Fuck you. I've gone through enough shit already. And also, his mother. No. Right. No. You know, you can be sad and you can cry and you can love your son and then you can shut up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you and the brothers, you know that your brother was doing yeah. this. You do. You know he was. But you're men and you you don't understand. So I guess we can just let you, you know, be stupid. But whatever. Anyway. <laughs> You're over there wrong and your wrong self. You're allowed to have whatever wrong opinion you want to have. But um, One of Mickey's brothers, his name was Lawrence, told the newspapers, quote, I just can't believe the verdict. That's all. Mickey's brother-in-law, George Perry, said, quote, I am deeply, deeply, deeply shocked. The entire family is shocked. How are you shocked? You can't believe the verdict. You can believe that he beat the shit out of her every day and was raping her. Every day. I can't believe this. Right. What do you mean? I right. Can't I can't believe it didn't happen sooner. I can't believe she didn't torture him first. That's what I think. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I'm twisted. So, uh, A family friend told reporters the verdict, quote, means open season on men. Jesus. Here's what I like to say to that, though. You're goddamn right it does. <sighs> Keep your fucking hands to yourself like a big boy, and then we don't need to set you on fire, motherfucker. Yo! I'm not telling anybody to kill your husband, but what I am telling you is don't fucking hit your wife or she has a right to protect herself yeah. by any means necessary. Yeah. And the same, same goes the other way. Yeah. Same goes the other way. Yeah. But fucking keep your hands to yourself. And if you can't do that, then I guess you should go get some fucking help to do it or you might get set on fire. That's just that's, yeah. that's what I think. Fix. Sorry. If you don't like that, then that's just tough shit. Wow. <clears throat> Anyway, both Mickey's younger brother, Donovan, and his father, Berlin, completed suicide. Donovan in 1979 and Berlin in 1986 because they couldn't deal with their grief. No. Which, that's sad, and I'm sorry that the family went through all of that. That's, that's heartbreaking. Um, Berlin, I'm sure, because he lost two sons during that time frame. Where, where were all of you? When your son was putting the, and your brother was putting this woman through this, where were you? Where were you saying, don't fucking do this? Where were you to say, fucking go get help? Stop. Mm-hmm. You didn't say anything? You're not responsible for it. But stop blaming this woman for fucking keeping herself safe. This man said over and over that he was going to kill her. And that night acted like he was going to kill her. I mean, he, sorry. It's like they say with women, what was she wearing? Well, he brought it on himself. Yep. In 1980, writer Faith McNulty released a book about the story. Um, You you may recognize the name. It was called The Burning Bed. In October of 1984, a made-for-TV movie also called The Burning Bed was released. It starred the beautiful Farrah Fawcett as Francine Hughes, and it was one of my mom's favorite movies. So there's your other movie recommendation. Put it on your list. Uh, Mickey's family said it was full of lies and not how it all really happened, which makes sense. It's fucking Hollywood. Like, they're not, they don't do stuff exactly how it happened. Uh, A good friend of Mickey's said that the version of Mickey in the movie wasn't the man he knew, which makes sense because you're his friend and not the woman he was beating. Uh, Right. So uh, this friend further stated that Francine was also abusive. 
Quote, he got knocked down as much as she did. I remember one night, the two of them got into it right out here. She was beating on him. We had to pull them apart. They were both in the wrong. Shut up. <laughs> that's all. Just shut up. Just shut, shut, up. shut up. Well, that's not all I'm going to say. So it's, uh, I, it's, it's a narrative that we hear a lot with regards to abuse. And we heard it in the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. Uh, for the record, I believe that Johnny Depp was the abused party in that relationship. Which I only say because I once uh, told a man that I that reactive abuse was a thing, and he assumed that I meant Johnny Depp was the aggressor and Amber Heard was the reactor, and literally didn't listen to anything else I said. Right? He said, "Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Men can react too." Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, people say they were both abusers; they were both in the wrong. And if you think that, you're full of shit. That's that's not. That's not what was happening. Uh, it's like these schools now that say any kid that throws a punch is in trouble. So if another kid's beating the shit out of you, you're just supposed to stand there and just take it until hopefully help arrives. I don't think so. Um, if a person is beating the shit out of that partner, that person should absolutely leave. Of course. That is the first best choice. Um, but it's rarely that simple. Huh. Right abuse changes a person expecting that person to not have some twisted sense of what's okay when he or she is being berated and beat regularly is fucking stupid and a lot of times you're getting love bombed in the beginning and people want to forget that didn't start at day one absolutely it's gradual progressions that by the time it's full blown into it it could be years right and and a lot of times you're you're being love bombed in between too Mm -hmm. it's not just in the beginning right um, and if you think it's simple for an abused partner to escape, then you need to read a fucking book and use some common sense. Uh, there are a lot of people, women too, which if women are doing that, you need to fucking knock it off. That's ridiculous. Like you're, you, how, how, how are you looking at another woman and going, she should just leave. They should just, okay, well, if it was that simple, everyone would do it. Right. If it was that simple, no one would be with abusers. Abuse would just be eradicated because right. no one would ever date an abuser. You just have lots of lonely men. Right. Absolutely. Um, I doubt those people are listening. And now yeah, that I've right. called them stupid like 17 times, I doubt they're going to stay if they are. So sorry about that. We won't, we won't miss you. Uh, Francine and her family struggled after Mickey's death, partly because she had distanced herself from her children emotionally, believing she was going to be spending the rest of her life in prison. Uh, of course, there's also the trauma of their father's death, even though he was the abusive piece of shit that he was. Um, although 19-year-old Christy told People Magazine in 1984, quote, I spit on his grave. He was a rotten son of a bitch. Uh, I'm sure all of his children dealt with the ramifications of severe trauma from all of it, oh. including his death. Uh, now, Francine used her $11,000 advance from helping with the book to buy a home for her family. Oh. She got a job as a secretary, then as a forklift operator. She was laid off two years later, and she began partying heavily. Uh, She was drinking and taking speed. Luckily, one day she woke up and realized she had to stop before it cost her everything. She then met and married Robert Wilson, a musician. Within two weeks, they were living together, and a month later, he insisted that they get married. And he talked about how, like, people were uh, coming into the bar the night, or were in the bar the night that he met her, and after she left, they were like, you don't want to fucking talk to her? She killed her husband. And he was just like, all right, whatever. Um... Sounds like her husband was a dick. Right. Sounds like he's a piece of shit. So, mm. Around 1981, the family moved to Tennessee, where Francine got her nursing degree. She left Tennessee to come back to Michigan in 1984. Um, one of the girls came with her. One was already living there, and I think the boy stayed with him. Uh, Francine worked as a private caregiver and in nursing homes until her death on March 22nd, 2017. 
just over 40 years after she became a hero to countless women afraid to leave their abusive husbands. And that is the story of Francine Hughes and the burning bed. Fuck yes. Oh my goodness. Wow, that was awful. And inspiring and amazing and all kinds of feelings in there. (laughs) All of the feelings. There was a lot of feeling happening. (laughs) So yeah, I was like, normally I tell you in the beginning if it's a movie, here's what the Mm -hmm. movie is. Yeah, but I was like, I can't tell her that because she'll fucking know what happens if I say the burning bed. So we'll keep that secret. Whoa. Whoa. There's a lot of adrenaline happening over here. That's an intense story. That's so good. Thank you, Francine. Yes. For lighting the way for women. Get help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, yeah, get help it's before scary it gets and to it's that. there. And uh, Google survivor stories for a while first. Mm-hmm. Listen to other women tell you how they got out and mm-hmm. and and use it. Mm-hmm. Have a plan. There, the um, the website, the hotline website, uh, has like they've got like an X at the front where you can very quickly and easily close out of everything, mm-hmm. like just in case you're having to look and be secretive. So yeah, your it's like incognito. Um, they talk about making sure before you Google things, make sure that you're using um, electronics that don't have any kind of tracking software on them. You know things like that. So they have great tips. Yeah. Um, I know iPhones have like a private searching mode. Yeah. So incognito. An incognito yeah. mode on your phone. Go to the library. Absolutely. Use use a, a public computer. There are lots mm-hmm. of ways that you can hide those activities to keep yourself safe until you have an exit strategy figured out. So don't just try to do it on your own. Don't just try to do it fast. Get everything set up and, and get yourself out safely. We love you. So lighten it up. No jokes with Holly. All right. Hold on. I got to do that one. Okay. How did the telephone propose to his girlfriend? I don't know how. <laughs> it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> he gave her a ring. <laughs> Get it? Because it's a phone. <laughs> stupid. Where do they go, Beth? Oh, yeah. I definitely didn't put that on here, and I didn't even say it in the last episode. That's right. Um... You guys can follow us on TikTok, Facebook, no, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter mm-hmm. at Mombies Horror. Uh, Facebook, we're Mombies Horror Podcast. Uh, email, oh, email us your stories, your case your questions, and your shit your pants stories to mombieshorror at gmail.com. We got our first listener tale. Um, I'm very, very excited about it. It's very good. Um, it's short, though, so I'm going to need a few more before yes. I can make a whole episode. Um, so guys, please send those in and, um, discord, join the discord so we can talk to you and shit and Patreon. If you're not yet, we're working on getting caught up and we love you. Thanks for listening. Sweet dreams. Spookies.